Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Skulle jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson Welcome everybody yes. to another episode of the Keeping Carlson yeah. Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who's planning on asking all the right questions. I'll see myself out. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and I've got a really fun show for you today because I was joined by Craig Morgan from azcoyotesinsider.com to talk all about the Arizona Coyotes. You may be thinking, oh, the Coyotes, I don't want to listen to a podcast about that team. What's This, this is going to be one of the worst teams ever next year. I'm telling you, this was a really interesting interview because not only did we talk about some players who might surprise us next season, but also, of course, we talked about the re- build about the prospects was a really fun chat i think you're gonna like it so stick around because that's gonna be coming into your ears in just a second but of course first let me mention that keeping carlson is presented by dauberhockey.com the number one fantasy hockey website in the world and also the host of the one of the longest runnings and best fantasy hockey guides in the world which has been released so it's time like fantasy season it's coming you got once the dauber hockey guide drops that's when you know that it's time to start prepping for your fantasy draft so go to dauber hockey get the guide you'll get version one of it and then it keeps getting updated all throughout the offseason and preseason uh, so that you're always up to date with the latest projections and, and all the tidbits that you need to know to be prepared for your fantasy league. So check it out, DauberHockey.com. Speaking of your fantasy leagues, may I humbly recommend that if you're not part of the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, the Cuckupful, that you add our league to your portfolio because we are ramping up to have a huge season for the Cuckupful and we want you to join. The Cuckupful is open to anyone who wants to play. We did a whole episode explaining it last week, so you can check that one out. But to sum it all up, you sign up as a patron of Keeping Carlson, you support our show, you get a bunch of perks, including joining our patron Discord community. Community, uh, patron casts, which we're going to be doing a bonus patron cast episode in a week. And also, you get access to our ultimate league where you're going to start in the bottom tier and then you climb your way up by doing well each and every season. And before long, you could end up in tier one fighting for the title of best fantasy hockey player in the whole world, currently held by Dustin Al. So, I definitely recommend you check it out if you haven't. Uh, just go to couple.com. We've got a lot of info there all about our leagues. That's kkupfl.com. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Okay, so. That's that. How about now I stop blabbering about things you should check out and instead cut over to my interview with Craig Morgan about the Arizona Coyotes. Enjoy! All right, everybody, super excited to bring you this week's Beat Writer interview. We've got a good one for you because I'm being joined by a person who covers the Arizona Coyotes at azcoyotesinsider.com, also the co-host of the Natty Hattie podcast. It's Craig Morgan. Welcome to the show, Craig. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Oh, yeah, no, we really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to be honest. I thought I'd have, like, maybe three questions to throw at you, and I'd be done here talking about the Coyotes after they've torn down this whole team over the <laughs> offseason. But, yeah, as I was prepping the show, I was like, no, I've got a lot of questions. This is actually a pretty interesting team going into next season. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm actually considering doing a story leading into training camp where, where I literally have people match faces to names because everything is new on this roster. It's right. insane how much turnover there's been. I mean, I think the players themselves are going to need to take that quiz. Oh, yeah, they're going to have to wear name tags for a while. 
<laughs> yeah, so the, this team is so fascinating. It's just a couple of years ago that, to me, this seemed like a team on track to potentially becoming like somewhat of a consistent playoff contender. Uh, now, obviously, it's very different, but it may be hard for some people to remember. But like in 2018-19, the Coyotes barely missed out on the wild card. Then they got Kessel in the offseason. We were expecting maybe Barrett Hayton to emerge. It was like, oh, maybe this team is now ready to be a, a playoff team. And of course, that's all in the past. No, the Coyotes, like I said, torn everything apart this past offseason. They sent, I'll, I'll run down the list here. Hopefully, it won't take the whole length of the show. Show, but they like they said Connor Garland and OEL to the Canucks for some bad contracts and picks, including a recent ninth overall pick, Dylan Genther. Uh, Darcy Camper got sent to the Avs for a pick, and Connor Timmins. They sent Aiden Hill to the Sharks for Joseph Kajanash and a 2022 second round pick. They lost Ranta to UFA. Uh, all their defensemen are Goligoski, Osterly, uh, Jalmerson retired, so they're all gone. Uh, they yeah. lost Bunting to free agency. Uh, in terms of who's coming in, uh, they got a pick also to take on Shane Gossesbear's contract from Philly. Uh, they signed Ryan Dezingle. But yeah, it's kind of exciting. Like, you know, they have all these picks, but obviously you can't play picks on your roster next season. So I've got to ask, like, just in terms of 2021-22, how bad of a team should we be expecting this Coyotes team to be? Like, are we bracing ourselves for historically bad season from the Coyotes? Or do you see, like, maybe there's some reason to expect that they could surprise us a little bit? Well, I mean, there's always that possibility with a bunch of veterans uh, playing for something, right? Playing for contracts, playing for pride. But when you look at the uh, recent history of a lot of the players that they brought in, yeah, the expectation is that this is going to be a very bad team. They're moving to the Central Division, which I think is going to make things even tougher on them this season to compete. Look, the the bottom line here is the Coyotes aren't going to just come out and say this as a management group, but they want to be bad. That's the goal here. They're stripping it down. You mentioned earlier that a couple seasons ago, it looked like this team was on track to becoming maybe a perennial playoff contender. I think in the final analysis, after Bill Armstrong came on as GM and was able to evaluate this roster and everything they had, you know, in the system as well for a full season, he made the determination among what, you know, along with some others that that was all they were ever going to be. That was probably the ceiling for this group. Right. Do you just want to be some team that is, on the playoff bubble every season, or do you want something more? Clearly, every franchise wants more than that. So after a full season of evaluation, and he said all along he was going to take the full season to evaluate, he has clearly been hard at work stripping this thing down, acquiring a lot of picks, including seven in the first two rounds of what is expected to be a really stacked 2022 draft. They are thinking that they need to stock the cupboards again and get this thing rolling in a few years. And you know, with with all the picks they have, and then with the amount of resources that they invested in their scouting department in particular, you have to feel at least some hope that they might be able to get it done. Bill, of course, cut his teeth as a scout and then the director of amateur scouting for St. Louis. They brought in Daryl Plandowski from Tampa. They brought in Ryan Jankowski from Buffalo. So they've got a lot of at least hope on that front. And that has been an area that I think the Coyotes have neglected incredibly in the past. I mean, if you look at this team's draft history, it is simply brutal. They need to rectify that. Okay, well, yeah, that's actually a very good point, right? They, it's There's one thing to accumulate these seven picks in the first two rounds. It's another one to actually hit on these picks. Yes. Uh, I'm definitely interested to ask you about Barrett Hayton a little later on, if you think that was a miss or maybe just a future hit. But yeah, obviously, and then if they could be historically bad and get that first overall pick, it's going to be too hard to miss on that pick. But yeah, so it's interesting. So how are, do you think the fans and like you know people following the team, are, are people feeling good at this point about the rebuild? Like they're assuming this was a successful offseason? I don't know that they're feeling good because Coyotes fans have suffered for pretty much the entire existence of this franchise in the Valley, other than maybe that three-year run with Dave Tippett, including 2012 
when they went to the conference final. It just, they haven't had a lot of success in the Valley. They had some good teams when they first arrived, but they couldn't get out of the first round. Um, so I don't know if they're feeling good, but they, I think they understand why this was done. They're excited that Bill Armstrong was able to execute as well as he was. Again, it's just a start. He still, they still have to make the right picks. They still have to develop these players and they have to have a little bit of luck, maybe in the lottery, which they've never had because they've never picked higher than number three in the lottery. But he did get a lot done this offseason. So I think there's at least hope at this point. Okay, yeah. So it'll be really fun to follow along, especially people who are into following prospects. They're going to probably enjoy watching the Coyotes and see what they do over these next couple of years. Okay, getting to the roster itself for next season. I got to start a net where I don't know if I've ever been less optimistic about a goalie tandem as I am for Arizona right now, though maybe second place would be Buffalo for this season, who is currently looking like they're going to have Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell as their tandem. But I think that might actually be a little bit better than what I'm seeing for Arizona as, you know, Kemper's gone, Ronta's gone, Aiden Hill is gone. They signed 35-year-old Carter Hutton to take over I guess, as the starter. Maybe you can fill in the blanks there. Like, Hutton is a guy, he had a great season as a backup in St. Louis in 2017-18, leading to him getting that three-year contract with Buffalo, where he's gotten worse every year, leading to only 13 games this past season, where he went 1-10 with an 8.86 save percentage. Uh, those 13 games, by the way, still put him in the lead for games played last year on the roster, with the next highest being Joseph Kajanash, who played yeah. 10 times with San Jose. He put up slightly better <laughs> numbers, I guess, an 8.99 save percentage. Coming up the rear, we've got Ivan Prosvitov, who played three games last year with the Coyotes. So I'm trying to come up with a question that's like, you know, not right. too harsh about this goalie group. But like, all I can think of is, is this really the goaltending group that Arizona is going to give us next season? Well, stay tuned for that. Uh, my, based on my conversations with Bill Armstrong, they're still keeping an eye on the goalie market. And I think they're going to acquire another goaltender to split time with Carter Hutton. I think that's what they want to do because they, they don't view any of these guys that they have as more than a number two or a number three. But the market still has to bear that out. On the flip side of that, if you want to be really bad, it's probably a good idea to not be very good in goal. Yeah. That's one of the ways that you can assure this. We saw this in 2014-15 with the Buffalo Sabres, who are once again in competition for the Coyotes for the top pick in the draft. But those teams were going neck and neck that season. And it seemed like every time a Buffalo goalie won a game, they would trade him so that they could get worse. And finally, try and win the lottery. And of course, Edmonton jumped both teams and, and won Connor McDavid. But yeah, I, I I do think they're keeping their eye on a, on the goalie market. I do expect them to bring someone else in. But again, if the market doesn't bear it out, it's not the worst thing for a team that's trying to lose to have this tandem. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, because we're a fantasy hockey podcast also. And like, you know, normally, even on a bad team, it's useful to have a goalie that's going to play a lot because, you know, a lot of leagues count saves. But it's just hard to imagine recommending people take Carter Hutton. Like, out of curiosity, like, do you happen to have a name that they're targeting? You're saying they're going to evaluate the goalie market? I'm looking at free agents right now. Like, Devin Dubnik, I guess, is still out there. Uh, it could maybe. be a trade, too. You know, yeah. he could, he could, it could be via the trade route. It, it could be waiting for the price to come down even further on one of those veterans when they get desperate right. to find a home. So we'll see how that plays out. You mentioned Ivan Prozvitov. I don't see him spending much time with the NHL club this season. He is their number one goaltending prospect. They want to see him develop. They want to see him play a lot of games in the AHL. And that's what I'd expect from him this season. He may get the occasional call up, whether it's through merit or injuries, but I don't expect him to be here regularly. That's the guy that they want to develop. 
Interesting. Okay, so yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see then what happens with the goalies, but you're saying maybe the story isn't complete just yet. Uh, yeah. All right, so I guess, you know, the cupboard of NHL-ready options is a little thin, as we've covered, but the Coyotes do have one guy that broke out as a huge star last year in Jacob Chikrin, who, after being like a steady 30-ish point pace guy in his first four seasons, he exploded last year, 18 goals, 23 assists for 41 points in 56 games. If you prorate that to an 82-game season, that's a 26-goal, 60-point pace. And this, of course, came with him getting, you know, higher than ever time on ice, increase mostly coming on the power play where he contributed 14 power play points. He also averaged like over three shots per game. He was hitting and blocking. So as far as fantasy, he's like just covering you all across the board. Plus to make this breakout even better for Arizona, it came during year three of a six-year contract, 4.6 million AAV, right. which is pennies. Like if he was an RFA right now, I'd imagine he'd be getting the Jones-Wierenski treatment, like nine plus million easy. So all that said, what do you think changed in Chikrin's game to lead to this huge breakout season last year? I think part of his maturity, part of it, as we always see with NHL players, is opportunity opportunity, you know, playing a little in, in different situations, more minutes, they gave him more, uh, more opportunity. And with that came more confidence, but, and, and somehow, by the way, Jacob Chikrin still finished 10th in Norris trophy voting, which is that's one wild. of the perils of playing in Arizona. Uh, you remember that season that Oliver Ekman Larson had, I think in 15, 16, where he, he was absolutely should have been a finalist for the Norris trophy and maybe should have won it that season. And he, he didn't even finish in the top five that season. It was, this happens here from time to time because they're playing out of the spotlight. But Jacob Chikrin has a lot of especially offensive qualities that you love. He's a great skater, loves to jump into the rush. He's gotten so much better at reading that timing. And credit Phil Housley for that. They really worked a lot on that over the past season. He's got a bomb of a shot. So they love to to use him in situations, particularly on the power play. They like to get him in situations where he can shoot. So all of that is coming I think his defensive game has has taken great strides, but it still has a ways to go. There are some things that he does well, his stick positioning, but sometimes his reads aren't always as good as they should be. Sometimes he's not locking guys, guys down as much as he should be in the defensive zone. But I think that comes with age. We are seeing the budding of a superstar on their blue line. And yeah, you mentioned the contract. When he was coming off that knee injury, people thought John Chico was insane signing him to that contract. Now this is looking like one of the best contracts in the NHL. Yeah, I'll admit I have Chikrin in my uh, Cap Dynasty League, and it's like, I think I, he might be one, like you said, it might be one of the, my most valuable pieces on the roster, just because mm-hmm. he can't beat that contract for the production he gave. Uh, do you think the numbers that he put up last season will be sustainable, like for next season, even on this depleted Coyotes roster? It's a good question, yeah. With with the the players around you clearly matter, and I, I think that has impacted, you know, when, when, when I talked about Oliver Ekman Larson as well, when you, when you look at what they're doing and then you look at what's around them, it's, it's all the more impressive to me that they're able to put up these kinds of points. But yeah, this roster is going to be a bit more challenged than last season's roster. So it's a fair question. I don't have an answer for you. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think he is a guy who is still on the, the upward slope. The one question I have with Chikrin is can he stay healthy for a full season? He's had a lot of injuries over the course of his career. And he's come back strong from all of them, but he can't seem to get through a season without something significant popping up. So if you're, if you're talking about a defenseman, a number one defenseman that you're building around eventually to make deep runs in the playoffs, is he durable enough to do that? He still has to prove that. 
Right. Well, I guess next year then, I'd imagine if even there's a little tweak to something, they're just going to sit him since you're saying they want to lose anyway. Yeah, you won't have to prove that next season or maybe the year after that. <laughs> so, and, and then you look at the forward core and there's actually another guy who a couple of years ago, we expected to be like the superstar on the team, like when we still weren't expecting that to be Jacob Chikrin. And that was Clayton Keller, uh, who like, he had this amazing rookie season, right? He had 65 points as a 19 year old, averaged over two and a half shots per game. But instead of building on that in the following three seasons, he's been like, like a bit uh, on a downslide, or I guess you could say he's maybe plateaued and he's looking like more like a 50 point player. Uh, recently, he had 35 points in 56 games last season. Uh, I listened to your most recent Natty Hattie podcast about the Coyotes, and you guys were talking about how Chickering is the player that the rebuild will be centered around. And I was kind of surprised that you didn't mention Clayton Keller here. Uh, are we at a point where we should expect that the last three seasons are like kind of more representative of the upside we should be expecting from Keller? Or do you think that he still has another gear in him? You know, that one that had a salivating as a potential like point per game guy after that amazing rookie campaign? Again, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but I mean, it's a a good body of evidence now suggesting that maybe Clayton Keller isn't going to be the player that they thought he was going to be. He's put on five pounds since his draft year, which I know (laughs) internally has stunned a lot of people. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't train hard. He does. He works at it. And he really is a student of the game. Rick Tockett loved that about him. He was always watching video, always asking questions, but he needs to beef up his body. He, He is a guy who often gets content playing on the perimeter. And I'm not saying he's got to be a guy that plays in front of the net. That's clearly not his game, but he's got to be a guy who's not afraid to go to the net, to dart to the net, to to find those situations. He stays on the perimeter too much. And there are stretches of the season and stretch of the games where, where he doesn't make an impact at all. Clayton Keller needs to make an impact at the offensive end. He's probably never going to be a great defensive player. He needs to make an impact at the other end of the ice. Otherwise he's clearly not living up to that really big contract that he has right now, which on this Coyotes roster, now that Oliver ekman Larson is gone, is probably the contract you look at the most and say, hmm. Well, yeah, as when I'm looking at his cap-friendly page, like he's the highest paid player on the team right now. And he still has six years left at 7.15 AV. So you get, obviously, I guess the Coyotes are hoping to get a little more from him. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, I guess you could have the excuse that he hasn't had the best players to play with, but it's definitely not going to get any better, at least over the next couple of seasons. Uh, and then another interesting topic from that Natty Hattie podcast was you discussed how the Coyotes would love to keep this rebuild going by flipping Phil Kessel for more of these prospects and picks that they've been picking up. Uh, Kessel's like 33 years old. He's clearly not like expected be a big part of this rebuild. He only has one year left on his $8 million contract before he becomes a UFA. Uh, you brought up on that podcast that Kessel will likely have to like play his way off the team by impressing suitors. Like He needs to have a strong start, so other teams are like, oh, okay, I guess we should take uh, Kessel on as a rental. Uh, though I was a little surprised hearing that just because he had a really nice bounce-back season in 2020-21. Like, he had that huge run in the second half to bring him to 20 goals, 43 points in 56 games. That's like a 29-goal, 63-point pace over an 82-game yeah. season, which was like miles ahead of his first season with the Yotes where he managed only 38 points in 70 games. Uh, So yeah, what's your expectation as of now of how next season will go for Phil Kessel? Do you think he can keep that run? He had 26 points in the final 29 games of this past season. Do you think that he could keep that run going, keep that uh, that spark that he found after one and a half years with Arizona and like, you know, keep putting up all these impressive point totals? I don't know with, again, it comes down to the players that he's going to be surrounded with and we'll see what his role is on the team. But Phil Kessel's in a contract year, so he should be motivated because he wants to keep playing. Um, I know he wants to be traded, to be honest. Um, he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And you, that's understandable for a guy his age. You wouldn't expect him to want to just ride this out for the next few seasons with a team that's not going to be going anywhere. Initially, um, I thought that they were going to wait until the trade deadline to try and move him. 
Then uh, the agent came back to them and said, hey, Phil would really like a trade. So they worked at it. I don't think there's an appetite from any other team in the NHL for Phil Kessel right now. I don't think they want him around for a full season. I think he is more of a guy that you know, in a may, maybe we'll get in a, into a situation in training camp where somebody has an injury and they need a score and they'll come get him. Or you get a little ways into the season. It's the same situation. A team needs scoring. They come after him. But he could go all the way to the trade deadline. And if that's the case, yeah, he's going to prove that he's he's got to prove that he's worth it still. He's got to be productive and it's going to be difficult on this team. So it's it's going to be a really interesting story to watch because I can't imagine, and I've said this before, a worse mismatch than Phil Kessel in a rebuild. He just doesn't want to be a part of anything like that. I'm not sure he's going to be an inspiration in that situation. Right. Yeah. And I guess like he was such a valuable piece on Pittsburgh when he wasn't like the top player on the team, just like this really great like finisher and all, all the great things that he does. Uh, yeah. Just the, looking at him, though, like I wonder if next season he could be a bit of a sleeper candidate, at least in terms of points, because like you say, he has like all this motivation. The Coyotes have the motivation to like give him the prime deployments that he can get. Like I see like last season, he only had 53 uh, percent of the team's power play time. That's like the lowest of his career. Usually he's on a top power play that's running like most of the time. And he still ended up with a 63 point pay. So I wonder if the Coyotes just put him out there on every power play to try to juice up those totals. Well, I'm sure he's going to be on the power play because they don't have a lot of options at this point. But it's interesting how little of a market there was for him, both, you know, with the things I said before. But in terms of the return that teams were considering, you know, I I think people are thinking, oh, can we flip Kessel just like we did with these other deals? I don't think it's anything like that. I think the Coyotes might be happy to get a third round pick for Phil Kessel at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I guess they need to find a desperate team that, uh, yeah. and, and Kessel. Might be best to wait, right? You hold on to your ad. That's, that's asset management. If, if the market isn't what you feel it should be for the player, you don't move them. Yeah, and wow, they got the first round pick for Darcy Kemper. And, but I guess obviously Kemper's at a different stage of his career than Kessel. And Colorado was in a bind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we that's can talk true. about that in a minute. Yeah, that was very interesting. We can talk about it now. Like uh, sure. when Grubauer signed with Seattle, I was like, oh, wow, See, Colorado has nobody. And there's a couple hours where I was like, oh, man, I'm, Avs fans must be really be freaking out. Then all of a sudden, yeah, they make this trade for Kemper. And like, that's a pretty good return, right? For the Coyotes, a first round pick. And Connor Timmons. Yeah. yeah. And, and as I wrote, the lead to my story that day was. Bill Armstrong will never say it, but he had Joe Sackick over a barrel. And he did. They were in a terrible situation at that point. They had lost their starting goalie. Look, Marc-Andre Fleury had already gone to Chicago. A lot of people thought he was going to retire. They, they didn't even know if he'd be willing to be traded again to Colorado or if he was just going to give up the game. At that point, there was only one option for Colorado if they wanted to acquire a goaltender that was of a caliber that he could carry you to a cup. And that's where Colorado is right now. They've been in this cup window for three seasons. You can't go into it with somebody, some lesser goalie and, and, and sell that to your fan base. It would have been a disaster for the GM. So at that point, he really had to come to Arizona and give in to their demands. And look, a first round pick, I, I often think that GMs overvalue first round picks, especially the late first round picks, which is going to be with Colorado. If you look at the percentages of those guys panning out, it doesn't happen a lot of the time. So why not give that up for a chance to get a goalie who can carry you to a Stanley Cup? That's the goal. Yeah, you you had to give up a, a promising defenseman too, but Colorado's deep at that position. I mean, I didn't mind the move from Colorado's standpoint, but it was absolutely a win for the Coyotes to get what they got in that situation. Literally every executive and agent that I talked to ahead of that was telling me there's no way the Coyotes are getting a first round pick for Darcy Kemper. They did, and they got a a high-level prospect as well. 
Yeah, so it worked out really well. And I guess it makes sense because also Kemper is going to be a free agent soon. And he's 31, so he doesn't want to go through a rebuild either, I'd imagine. He's still chasing his cup. Yeah, on that note, by the way, let me. Darcy Kemper made it clear to the Coyotes that he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild either. And it wasn't like an ultimatum. It was just, yeah, you know, let's pursue a trade. It's it's in your interest to, to find the best deal out there because Dar- Darcy's not going to sign after the season when he becomes a free agent to be a part of a rebuild. Um, so that was out there as well. And and I still think from having watched this guy, I know he, uh, you know, he had the injury and he didn't play well when he came back from it, but he wasn't healthy. Uh, this guy to me is still an elite goaltender. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league. And I've watched him for the past three seasons play mostly at that high level. I think he was a great pickup for Colorado. Yeah, well, I, I know this isn't the Colorado podcast, but I, I do want to ask you about Kemper just because he like had been a goalie on the Minnesota Wild for a bunch of years to start his career and like nothing that impressive. He went to LA, he was fine. Then when he got to Arizona, he like became this like all-star superstar goalie, like putting up some of the best numbers in the league at like 925 save percentage one year, 928 the next year. Like, what do you yeah. think happened with this guy? Like, is he really this good? It sounds like he's thinking that he is. A lot of times goalies take longer to develop. I think right. every goalie coach will tell you that some of them come into their prime later. A lot of them come into their prime later. His his The start of his uh, rise really came in L.A., though. If you look at the numbers that he had as a backup in L.A., he credits Billy Ranford, their goalie coach, with really turning his career around. He played well there. And then again, this was a John Chica move as well. They got him for Scott Wedgwood and, and Toby Reeder. That was the trade that they got Darcy Kemper for. It was a, an absolute steal. And then you know, he gets put into a situation initially where he was, he was going to be at maybe a 1A and then Auntie Ranta can't stay healthy. So he got his opportunity. He was playing behind at that point what was a, a really good defensive team, and that helped him as well. Rick Tockett kept putting him out there. He got a lot of opportunity, and from there the confidence grew, and he turned into an elite goaltender. Another guy, like a, a couple seasons ago, in my mind, was a, a Vezina Trophy finalist. He was fantastic. Yeah, Kemper has been just like lights out. And like you said, he's had to, you know, have this important role because like you said, Ranta just can't stay healthy. Uh, continuing on this divergence, uh, Carolina uh, getting, you know, they traded away Nadelkovic and now they're riding with uh, Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta, two goalies who had health troubles over the past year. Auntie Ranta could never stay healthy. I don't know. Like, do you have any reason to expect that Ranta can somehow turn this around and not be injured for an entire season? I kind of hope so for him because he's the nicest human being you'll ever meet, but I never saw evidence of it in Arizona. He simply could not stay healthy. And it it was, I don't want to question someone's toughness because you never know what someone's body is dealing with. And and it may be that his body simply isn't built for the grind of being an everyday NHL goaltender. But there were so many times where I know the coaching staff was frustrated with him because one day it was in practice. Yeah, I feel fine. I'm going to play tomorrow. And then he'd wake up the next day and suddenly he couldn't play. It was really hard to depend on him. And Arizona is not the only place where this has happened. It's happened in two other stops. It happened in Chicago with Joel Quenville and in New York with, with Wayne Vigneault. He, he had trouble uh, winning the trust of his coaching staffs there too. So this is something that if he wants to continue his career past next season he's gonna he's gonna have to prove that right yeah like he seems like a really good goalie when he plays but yeah he's elite when he plays yeah he's fantastic when he plays and again like you you can't imagine a better human being than Antti Ranta but you just hope that he can work his way through all of this stuff and show what he can do uh, on a consistent basis yeah, all, all I know is that I went out and grabbed uh, Alex Lyon in my league because I wonder if he's going to end up getting some games with him being the third stringer over on Carolina next year. 
But okay, back to the Coyotes. So, the like we've discussed, the majority of the Coyotes' offseason was about dumping their players for picks and prospects. They did bring in one intriguing guy, though, that I'm really curious to get your take on to see what he could do in the NHL next season. And I'm talking about Dimitri Yaskin, who started his career with the Blues, played six seasons, then went to Washington, and then he went to the KHL for these last couple seasons. While during his NHL stint, he never produced better than a 27-point pace season. He paced for less than 20 points in each of his last four seasons. Then he goes to the KHL, absolutely dominated over there. Two seasons ago, he had 31 goals. That was second in the league behind only Kirill Kaprizov. Then last year, he scored 38 goals, good for second all-time in that KHL league history. Only a guy named Sergei Mozyakin uh, has scored more goals than him in a season. Uh, so obviously, Arizona liked what they saw. How could they not? They locked the 28-year-old in for a one-year, $3.2 million deal. Do you think there's a chance that Yaskin can keep up the goal scoring back in North America? I don't know that he's going to keep up that pace. I don't sure. expect him to keep that pace because it's obviously a, a different caliber of league than the KHL. Um, but when you look at the way he scored goals, and Bill Armstrong pointed this out in the in the uh, Zoom call that we did after he officially signed up. I mean, I've been reporting on this signing for like four months now, I think. But it finally <laughs> became official um, that he plays the kind of game that translates to the NHL. He started just going to the net. He's, he's been more of a net front guy than he was in the NHL. He understood that that's where he was going to have success. So you can see that translating at the NHL level. Again, I don't think it's going to be quite that level. And again, we're talking about the Coyotes, the players around him. So what sort of opportunities will he have? But I do think he can be a guy that can provide you secondary scoring. It's not even important for them this year, again, based on what we talked about at the top of the podcast, how they want to lose, but he could be somebody who comes over enjoy some success scoring and you never know the Coyotes could flip him at the deadline too and acquire even more assets. That's part of the thinking with a lot of these moves Bill Armstrong is making too. He, he has hungry veterans who are looking to continue their careers. Can you do something for me in the short term? Then I can find you a team that's going to be competing in the playoffs and trade you for even more assets. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the smart move. Like It's almost yeah. like, sorry, like Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, like, we've got you guys locked in. We're going to give all the power play time and ice time to Phil Kessel and Dimitri Yaskin and try to flip you. I, I, that would definitely make sense. Like, where do you see Yaskin, like, slotting in in the lineup? Do you think he's going to be a consistent, like, top sixer, potentially top power play? Or is that something he, like, you know, maybe if he earns it, but it's not a sure thing? Yeah, I, I don't I don't have enough of a feel for what Andre Turingi wants to do yet as a head coach. Um, and obviously that will be up to him, but... I do think he's going to get some of those opportunities, and I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he's in their top six. Yeah, so I think people who are uh, playing fantasy, like, obviously not a sure thing, but keep your eye on Dimitri Yaskin, because obviously yeah. he's shown that he can score some goals. He also hits a lot, by the way, if you're in leagues that count that. Uh, okay, so around the same time that Chikrin got that amazing six-year contract, well, <laughs> amazing in hindsight, uh, the Coyotes also signed center Christian Dvorak to a similar six-year contract, $4.45 million per year. Dvorak seems to have earned his keep in the first two years of the deal. He's been a solid 45-point guy, saw the most ice time among forwards last season, averaging almost 18 and a half minutes per game uh though i see rumors are circling that dvorak is on the trade block along with kessel and all these other guys any sense of why the coyotes would want to flip this guy it kind of seems like christian dvorak is someone who's still locked in for four years like a guy that could be a potentially part of this rebuild he's only 25 seems like the top center on the team is it just me thinking that the return uh would not justify moving him yeah it depends on what the return is i I think they're listening on christian dvorak but I wouldn't say it's the same situation as these other players that we've talked about. They're going to have to knock their socks off to, to get Christian Dvorak. I've, I've been told that the ask is a first round pick and a prospect like Darcy Kemper or two prospects, two good prospects. That's a big ask, obviously, but 
you're talking about a very effective middle six center on a really good contract. Again, when you look at his productivity, the things that you mentioned, he's also an excellent faceoff man. He is lights out in the shootout because he has this crazy move that he copied from Redeem Verbata, the former Coyote, and he never misses. So there's a lot to like about his game. He's He's got a great attitude, great work ethic. There really isn't much to knock on. You, you'd like to see maybe a little more production from Christian Dvorak, but that may even come with a little more time. When you look at the age, it's interesting you, you mentioned that because this factored into the Connor Garland trade as well. 25 is sort of just past that that age where they're looking at, okay, this is the guy that's still in our window for our rebuild. What will he look like when we're ready to actually contend down the road? Will he be past his prime at that point? Uh, With Christian Dvorak, the style he plays, I I think they feel slightly different about him, how his game could sustain for a little longer uh, than maybe they, they, they felt Connor Garland's could, but he's right on the cusp. So I think they're at least listening if they can get a great offer, but I don't think they're over eager to trade Christian Dvorak. Right. So they'll be happy to keep him. But if they get a good offer, yeah. then why not consider it? Uh, and then I'm looking at the other uh, like centers on this team to try to get a sense of like, what the roster will be next year. I guess Nick Schmaltz is the clear other top six center on the team. He's paced for like around 50 points year yeah. in, year out since he joined the Coyotes in that trade for Dillenstrom. Uh, then aside from Schmaltz and uh, Dvorak... Like, who is there? Like, I, I guess they have Jay Beagle, who they got from the Canucks. They have Johan Larson, who was like the fourth line center last year. Is that it? Is are that really the top four that's centers? That's probably on the- it right now. That's probably your depth chart right now. Wow. So, like, what about 2018 fifth overall pick, Barrett Hayton? I told you I wanted to talk about this guy. Like, is it too much to expect? Like, this seems like it shouldn't be too hard of a lineup for Hayton to crack. And I know he's had a couple unremarkable stints with the team so far. Didn't pop in the AHL last season. Only 10 points in 26 games with Tucson. But he's like a high pedigree guy. He dominated the OHL the year after he was picked. So, yeah, what's your current take on Hayton and how his career has progressed so far since being picked in that high spot? They're... They're uh, they're not happy with his progression right now, yeah. um, and this is a very very important season for Barrett Hayton to, I guess, for his longevity with the uh, franchise. When you when you look at that season where he went to World Juniors and he scored that huge goal against Russia to tie up the game and they won the gold medal, that that season the idea there was they're going to give him some games early on. They're going to let him go to the the World Junior Championship. And then they were hoping that he that would be a springboard for him back to the NHL roster with all this confidence to come back in and play. Well, of course, he suffered the shoulder injury at World Junior, so he missed like a month. Then we came back. He, he just didn't have it. He, he needed to work his way back. So he never really reestablished himself in the lineup that season. He was in that, at that tweener age where he couldn't play in the AHL because he was 19. And we don't want to get started on that because I absolutely hate the rule. The, the rule is clearly to benefit the CHL and not to benefit players. Yeah. He should have been in the AHL that year. That was what was best for him. But any, anyway, he ended up in limbo for basically more than half a season. And then the, then you, you have COVID hit. So it, it's been two years of frustration for Barrett Hayden where he really hasn't had the chance to establish himself. And I'm not... I'm not writing it off as a, a big excuse for Barrett Ayton because he he clearly didn't show a lot in Tucson either. And that's the part where they're not happy with what he's done th- thus far. I don't think he fully accepted that he was going to play in the AHL last season. He wasn't happy about it. And, you know, sometimes it takes players a little longer, but I think he's a, an, of the understanding, at least they hope he is now, that he needs to develop more. I would be surprised if the Coyotes put him on the NHL roster this season. I think this kid needs to play a full season in the AHL in all kinds of minutes, all kinds of situations, get his confidence back, and then we'll see where he is after this season. But as I said earlier, 
it's a really important season for Barrett Hayden. If he doesn't show something this season, he may not be here. And that would be obviously huge news for a guy who was drafted as high as he was. Yeah, well, I guess the similar thing happened to Dylan Strom, right? He got picked yeah. high and then also didn't stick around. So, okay, good luck, Barrett. Yeah, exactly. And Dylan Strom, it's funny that, you know, that that season, they really went with the scouting staff's pick on that one um, because he was the consensus number three overall pick. If you if you remember, like, basically any team would have taken Dylan Strom number three. It wasn't just the Coyotes. But Dave Tippett didn't want to draft him, and GM Don Maloney didn't want to draft him. Neither one of those guys wanted him, which is crazy, right? Tippett wanted to trade it. I think he wanted Dougie Hamilton in the trade and was available at the time. I think uh, Don Maloney wanted Ivan Provorov, but they went with what the scouts were telling them, which is what you're supposed to do, right? Because those are the guys that have seen him the most. And then the rest is history. Dylan Strom clearly was not worth the number three pick in one of the best drafts of the millennium. There were so many good players that went after him. Obviously, they didn't get Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel, but there were so many good players that went afterward. The Coyotes got out of that draft. They got Dylan Strom. They got Nick Merkley at 30, and then they acquired Lawson Krause. So they got three players who went in the first round. But then when you look at all the other players that went in that first round, my God, there was so much more talent that they could have had. Uh, what could have been? If only they had the current scouting staff that you're saying is so good. Maybe things would have been <laughs> Well, different. we'll see. Jury's out on that, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully we won't be having a conversation like this in, in five years about the 2022 draft and what could I'll have been. I'll be drinking heavily by then if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then I think we've covered most of the relevant forwards that could be on the roster next year. Like Before we switch to D and prospects, like is there anyone else that we could... Because I just feel like there's so many holes, right? So there's potential for some like sleeper to come in and like get a good role, like potentially get power play time. But I'm looking through the options. Maybe the best one is like a Ryan Dezingle who they got as a free agent. He had a 56-point season yeah. back in 2018-19. But you know he's been pretty much a non-factor in his last couple of years but I don't know on the left side especially he's a left winger I'm not really seeing many other left wingers on this depth chart like he kind of looks to me like the number one left winger if assuming that Kessel Keller and Yaskin are all going to play on the right wing doesn't that mean Dezingle slots in on on line one well we'll see where Keller plays because he's played both sides while he's been here so I'm not sure but yeah I do think Ryan Dezingle is is going to get some opportunity in the top six in fact Bill, when he talked about him, said he's a guy who needs to play with that type of player. That's when he's most effective. And on this team, I mean, there's not a lot of options, so you might as well give him that. And again, this could be another one of those guys where if he recaptures some magic for half a season, some team at the trade deadline may see that and say, hey, we need more scoring. And the Coyotes are able to flip him for yet more assets. Yeah, exactly what the Sens did with Dezingle a couple of years ago yeah, when they traded yeah. him to Columbus. Uh, okay, and so then let's go to D. So they did pick up Shane Gossesbeher. They got uh, gifted a pick just to take Gossesbeher and his contract onto the team. This is a former 64-point defenseman, 2017-18, that's fallen out of favor in Philly. Though, like, last season, in between his benchings, uh, Gossesbeher actually had a nice bounce-back season. Like, he had 20 points in 41 games. So that's, like, a 40-point pace, uh, including nine points on the power play. He got, like, when he was playing, he was playing on the power play team, at least from the numbers, like, he was doing pretty well. Like, how do you foresee Ghost's tenure in Arizona going at this point? Like, I know they mainly took him for the pick, but he's going to be there. Oliver Ekman Larson is gone. Can we expect him to at least put up like Oliver Ekman Larson like production while he's there? Like, uh, you know, OEL was putting up like a 40 point pace year in, year out, similar to what Ghost's pair did last year in Philly. Maybe. Yeah. He's going to get the opportunity. Obviously, a top four guy. Um, I- I'm curious to see what he can do. Last season, I agree with you, was sort of a bounce back. And he felt that way as well. He felt like his game was coming back after the injuries that he had suffered. You know, I've talked to some people in Philadelphia who don't believe he's ever going to be the player that we saw that had that just electric jumpstart, right? Where he could, we could jumpstart a breakout because he was so quick 
and, and made that first pass so quickly. I mean, he's still a very good passer, but he just doesn't have that explosion in his first step and in his skating that he used to have. Maybe that's gone for good. I don't know at this age. Maybe it was a, a product of the injuries and he's worked himself back. He's going to be a really interesting player to watch in that regard because, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, he has such a high ceiling. We've seen such a high ceiling from this player. Yeah, and like it's so hard to imagine him getting benched this year. Like, like we discussed, yeah. like all the defensemen are gone. Like, who's even left? Like, I, like literally, they've got Chikrin, they've got Gosses Beher. I see they sign Anton Strahlman. Uh, Ilya Lubushkin is going to be back, I assume. And yep. then they acquired Connor Timmins in a trade. So that's five right. defensemen. I don't even they know. They signed the Russian defenseman Provolnev too, who probably is going to play this season. And then we'll see about Victor Soderstrom. I still think the smart play there is to keep him in Tucson for a full season to play. But he's got an opportunity to make the roster as well. There's also the possibility, again, because Bill is waiting to see how the market shakes out, that they might acquire one more player. They may. Don't be surprised if the Coyotes take on one more of those big contracts that we've seen them take on Mm. for prospects. I think they're eyeballing a defenseman right now, to be honest. I I think that may, may happen if the market bears out. I see. Is this the kind of thing where like you actually have a name in mind, but you can't share it because it's been, like, I don't have a name in mind. Oh. I can, I can make some guesses, but I hate making guesses. So, I mean, you can look around the league, you just go on cap friendly and say, okay, which teams might be trying to unload. And there, there are a few candidates, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I wonder if they could have gotten uh, Vancouver to just throw Tyler Myers into that contract. <laughs> they took, but maybe Vancouver still wants Myers. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Soderstrom. So most sites I see list him as like the Coyotes top prospect at this point. Maybe those articles I read was before they drafted Gunther, but Soderstrom, like 11th overall pick in 2019, got a cup of coffee with the team last year, had a goal and assist in f- the four games he played. Uh, like, do you see him as someone Do the Coyotes see him as like a big part of this rebuild coming up? Are they happy with what they've seen from him since he was drafted? Uh, yeah. And I mean, again, last year is so hard to judge with any player because of the pandemic. Yeah. I, uh, again, and that's why I think he, he needs to spend an entire season in Tucson. He, he's not used to playing on this ice. Um, he's a smaller player. He's got to he's got to adapt to a lot of parts of the North American game. So I think it, it's better for him in the long run to play that season. But yeah, they still like a lot of what they've seen from him. They just need to see more. They need a bigger body of evidence. So we'll see how that plays out. But in terms of prospects, and we went. We mentioned uh, Ivan Prozvatov already. He's a, a he's very high in their eyes in, in terms of goaltending. They still hope Barrett Hayton gets there. Matias Michelli is another guy who's going to come over. Uh, that's why I'm wearing this shirt, by the way, uh, the Ilvis Temper uh, T-shirt. But he's going to come over from Finland and play in the AHL this year. And then the other guy to watch is Jan Janik. Um, really, really intrigued by him because he's a guy who plays with an edge. He's a guy who loves to play around the net. He's he's almost like if if Bill. Bill Armstrong could craft a player. Jan Yannick is that guy. They love how he gets in people's faces. He can score. He has better hands than people realize. There are a lot of parts of his game that they're they're watching to see if they develop. He could be a, a really interesting prospect for them as well. Yeah, well, hard to ignore a guy who played two games last year and scored a goal in each of those games. It's a nice <laughs> welcome to the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, and a former only 65th overall pick. So I guess uh, they might have been a nice steal with that pick of Unique. And then I guess I got to ask you about Dylan Gunther. So he gets picked ninth overall in this draft. The consensus from what I'm reading is people are very happy with this pick for the Coyotes. I think they really like got a slam dunk getting him at ninth. He had 24 points in 12 games in the WHL last season, seven points in seven games in the World Junior Championships. Are Were the Coyotes as excited as I'm imagining they were when he fell all the way to nine? Yeah, they absolutely were. I think they were considering trading down in in the draft if he had gone higher and a lot of people had him higher. I think Corey Promen had him second on his board. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people that had him in their top five. So it was a little bit of, su- of a surprise to see him drop this far, but they were, they were absolutely ecstatic that they got him at number nine. I've heard from so many people that 
he, he's a complete player. There really isn't a hole in his game. There may be, may not be something that he does at that elite level, but he does everything really well. Um, he's, he's a really good shooter. He's a goal scorer. They haven't had one of those here in a very long time. Um, and especially if you're talking about like 30 goals, it, it just doesn't happen in Arizona. I think Redeem Verbata is the last guy to do that with 35 in 2012. So it's been a long time since they had a goal scorer. They'll, they'll obviously take their time with Dylan Gunter. I would expect him to be back with the Oil Kings next season, but they'll bring him along slowly. I bet he'll see a stint in the AHL as well, but they're really, really happy about that pick. Yeah, I guess another reason for fans to, you know, not lose hope in the Coyotes, even though next year is going to be a bit brutal. They've got this guy and then all these picks in the next draft. Like, I guess it, it will come back to talk to you again next summer. Maybe we'll be talking about Shane Wright about to become a Coyote. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Craig, like, it's been so fun talking to you. I had a whole bunch of questions. And now I see we, we've burned through them all, which is awesome. I guess one thing I'll, I'll leave everyone with is it, uh, if you could pick one Coyote that you expect to be like the biggest positive surprise next season. So in terms of like fantasy hockey you know Oof. someone who you think is going to like you know fall in drafts and you're going to pick this guy in the last round and then look like a genius like who would that be and then to make it even more complicated for you on the flip side who do you think is a coyote that people are going to draft and then end up regretting it being like oh this guy was not as good as i expected him to be oh man <laughs> those are tough questions i mean it, it's going to be tough to produce on this roster so i i guess i first of all i i'd, I'd play carefully with clayton keller expecting big numbers from him but in terms of someone who might rise up, man, maybe you go with a guy like Dmitry Yashkin, who who could uh, really come over and, and translate some of this. He's going to have the opportunity. I really think he's going to have the opportunity to play in a lot of situations. So maybe that's a guy that you look at for the Coyotes. Yeah, hard not to take a flyer on someone who just almost broke a record for most goals in his league, even if it was the KHL. All right. So yeah, once again, Craig, thanks so much for coming on the show. If people want to follow all of your great work, uh, can you just let, let them know how they can do that? Sure. Uh, my website is, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, azcoyotesinsider.com and you can also find me on Twitter at Craig S. Morgan. Yeah, and I just listened to your latest uh, Natural Hat Trick podcast, Natty Hattie, and it was very entertaining. So yeah, I definitely would recommend people check that out as well. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Good luck. Should I say good luck to the Coyotes next year? Good luck uh, coming in last place and getting good luck in the lottery, I guess. (laughs) That's what it is, right? (laughs) Okay, well, have a great day. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much again to Craig Morgan for coming on to talk all about the Arizona Coyotes. This guy knows his stuff, right? Every single player I bring up, boom, boom, boom. Such interesting answers for a team that is going to be, I think, pretty bad next year, especially if they can't figure out this goaltending, but it'll be fun to watch. Maybe like a car crash. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what some of these guys, like a Kessel or a Yask and these people potentially playing for a trade, you know, like a Christian Dvorak. Like some of these guys might have sneaky fantasy value just because the team and the players are both aligned and wanting to have the best opportunities to produce to get that trade so yeah don't like leave all the coyotes off your draft board aside from of course jacob chicken who's probably gonna go high maybe a little bit too high even considering who he's gonna be playing with but yeah interesting team right now don't draft carter hutton i don't care if you tell me that carter hutton's gonna play all 82 games there's no way i'd be touching that guy in any of my fantasy leagues unless like only saves and wins are counted and you don't have a penalty for goals against uh but okay so thanks again for listening to this show we really appreciate you tuning into our beat writer series we hope you've been enjoying it i guess we're gonna have to wind it down pretty soon we didn't get to all 32 maybe we'll keep it going also during the season we've still got a few more coming to you very soon uh but yeah if you like the show or you want to give us any feedback we always love to hear from our listeners so tweet at us at keeping carlson also feel free to ask us any of your advice questions though if you want to really ask advice questions to a lot of smart people including brian and myself uh 
Uh, consider becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson. Join our Discord community. Now's the time, right? With your fantasy season ramping up, you want to have all the brain trust of the Keeping Carlson patrons, some really smart people there. So if you're interested in that, check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron. And then, of course, you'll also be able to join the Cupful, our ultimate league. We'd love to have you play with us. But okay, I guess with that, let me cue the outro music. I'll go ahead and read you the credits, which are as follows. Keeping Carlson is proudly presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. Outro music by Pat Roach and logo art by brandonweave.com. I researched this episode mainly from reading the tweets of Craig Morgan, using Cap Friendly, using Frozen Tools, and of course checking out azcoyotesinsider.com, which is Craig's website. And obviously also you want to follow Craig on Twitter, at Craig S. Morgan, for all of your Coyotes info. But okay, that's it for today. Like I said, we've got some more beat writer interviews coming at you over the next week. Brian and I are going to have a new regular show for you next Sunday. I think the current plan is we're going to look at players from last season who were much better and much worse than our projections going into that year. I'll make a fancy spreadsheet to help us out with that. And of course, if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, we're going to have our patron cast on Wednesday. We've already got a bunch of really interesting questions listed for us. And obviously, if you become a patron before Wednesday, you can throw in a question yourself. Brian and I have never missed a question on a patron cast. We always answer everything that comes at us. So yeah, thanks again for listening. And until our next episode, just remember to do your best to make it so that fantasy hockey is for everyone. <laughs>